0: Hey, y'all. So we are back to move forward through chapter 2 and 3 of John. In chapter 1, we got to see the identity of Jesus and very detailed descriptions of different ways to describe who Jesus is. In chapter 2, we get to move on to our first party. Heck yeah! So we're going to go to a wedding at Cana. So the next day... There was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. So, in the custom of the time, if you run out of wine at something so important as a wedding celebra- celebration, it is very embarrassing for the family and the servants that are hosting this wedding reception. So this was a pretty big deal that they had no more wine. They had run out. So in verse four, Jesus responds, Dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. There's something about mother's instinct. Mothers just know. She knew that he was going to resolve this. So she told all the servants in, in the kitchen or wherever they might have been in the celebration, just listen to Jesus. Do whatever he tells you. So in verse 6, standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. So these jars were used by people to wash. They were dirty old jars Just think about that. People washed their hands. They walked on streets where cows walked and who knows what they walked in. And they used these jars to wash before ceremonies. So they were not clean jars. Moving on in chapter six, each could hold 20 or 30 gallons. They were very large washing jars. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, "'Now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies.' So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water, that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew. He called the bridegroom over. "'A host always serves the best wine first, he said. "'Then, when everyone has had a lot to drink,' He brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. So not only did Jesus change water into wine, he purified and cleansed the jars that was holding the wine. Everything was clean and pure, and it became the best quality wine that these people have ever tasted in huge quantities. Jesus' first miracle was changing something old and dirty and gross into something new and amazing and pure, the highest of qualities. So moving on to verse 11, this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. This was his first miracle, a party y'all, and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. So then we're going to go to the temple. So this was going to be the very first Passover during the start of Jesus' ministry. In verse 13, it says, It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices, He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. So when people came to sacrifice animals to atone for their sins, the animals had to be inspected because they had to be quality animals sufficient for such a sacrifice. So rather than doing that, they would set up places around the temples and near the temples where people could just come and purchase animals that were already inspected and deemed quality animals that were okay to be sacrificed. So this was something they had been doing. Um, So Jesus didn't like this, obviously. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers coins over the floor and turned over their tables Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. This is supposed to be God's house, a sanctified, pure house of prayer. And Jesus was very purposeful in what he was doing in this scene here. In verse 17, it says, Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. Jesus wanted God's house to remain pure and, and clean in and a place where people could pray and worship. In verse 18, it says, But the Jewish leaders demanded, What are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus dest- replied, Destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. What? They exclaimed. It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days. But when Jesus said this temple, he was referring, he meant his own body. They didn't understand this. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. So here Jesus took an old, dirty temple and cleansed it and declared the raising up of a new, pure temple that we could worship. In verse 23, it says, Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many people began to trust him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each per- person's heart. He, he knows us, and he knows why we needed him so desperately. In chapter 3, it says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religion, li- religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you. No one can enter the kingdom of God God, without being born of water and the Spirit. He's referring to baptism, not just water baptism, but baptism of the Holy Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. Jesus is preparing people here to be born again. He's creating regeneration due to faith in Jesus. In verse 8, it says, The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. So, a bronze snake was lifted up in the wilderness and it was deemed that whoever looked at the bronze bronze snake would live. You had to look and then you could live. Just like we have to look to Jesus and then we can live. He's making that comparison. So that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For he, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus knows that he will have to die when he's talking about this. He'll have to die so that we can live, so that we can be saved, and so that we can have eternal life. He gave that sacrifice so we could have this promise. In verse 18, it says, There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but the people loved darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed but those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they were doing what God wants. So when Jesus is talking with Nicodemus here, he doesn't necessarily answer Nicodemus in the way that Nicodemus wants him to, but he answers Nicodemus in the way that Nicodemus needs him to. He's explaining to Nicodemus how to be saved. And that is so important. And he explains the greatest gift of all, the gift of eternal life, the changing and transformation and regeneration of old to new in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ. Then we go to chapter 3 verse 22. Jesus said, then, then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anan near Salem because there was plenty of water there, and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everyone is going to him instead of coming to us. So here we have Jesus and John the Baptist are both baptizing people. In verse 27, John replied, No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You you yourselves know how plainly I told you. I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. And I think that is such a huge, important message. He's saying it's okay. Jesus needs to increase. And he is saying he himself, John, needs to decrease. John steps aside. To make room for Jesus. He was preparing the way. He was doing his mission and preparing the way for Jesus. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things. But he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard. But how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. For he, sent, he is sent by God. He speaks God's words. For God gives him the Spirit without limit. Jesus is the one person who came to earth as a human and had full power while on earth. He still has full power. Power and full of the Spirit completely. The Father loves his Son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. So chapter 3, chapter 2 was a chapter about changing things from the old to the new and bringing purification, um, it, as was seen in the wine as well as in the temple. And in chapter 3, we have regeneration and rebirth and salvation through jesus who has all power so that sums up takes us through to chapter three and i hope you're enjoying this and tomorrow we'll go ahead and move on to chapter four thanks y'all have a good night